0: pray briefly before we get into the mission. Say true story. Anyway, Father God, thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you for all the wonderful stories we've heard so far. Stories of provision, stories of you growing people, sending people, blessing people, developing friendships and relationship with you across the years in this church and many more local churches around the world. We just praise you for that. And we pray now that we would tune in to your Holy Spirit. We invite you, Holy Spirit, come and transform us again as we talk about your mission. Amen. (laughs) So if you've stopped cringing now, we'll carry on with the the theme of mission. One of my favorite things to talk about takes me back to my own testimony, and it takes us back to the gospel and sharing with people Jesus' love, which is what life is all about. And we're going to start briefly with a context for mission in the Bible, and then a little bit more specifically, we're going to aim at mission inside the church and mission outside the church. So let's start with a, a bit of context for a mission, or as uh, Christopher Wright calls it, the mission of God uh, to save sinners. It's summarized by Jesus in Luke 19 verse 10. It says, Jesus says, having saved Zacchaeus the tax collector, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. And some of you might remember earlier in the year, I talked about that story. I love that story about Zacchaeus, where Jesus is essentially saying, I'm coming to restore things to better than they were. And that is a summary of something that started in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. Uh, God has been deeply committed to restoring people to himself. And uh, on that note, the, in the last year I've listened to lots of books. I signed up to Audible. It was great. And I've listened to a book uh, by a guy called Dane Ortland, called Gentle and Lowly. Some of you might have heard of it. And he focuses in on Matthew 11. And it was, struck me just how strongly God wants humans to know his heart for them. And how much he wants sinners to come to him and rest. And he speaks of his own heart just the once, I think, in in these verses 28 to 30. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus came for the lost, for the heavy burdened, the weary. And the origins of that mission after the Adam and Eve Eve, uh, sinning are picked up around in Abraham when he points us to the end of the story, to the end of the mission, the climax where millions, billions perhaps of people are saved by God, innumerable, like the sand on the seashore or the stars in the sky. And so you've got this narrative arc across the whole Bible of the mission of God. And that thread carries on through the Old Testament from Genesis With God's chosen people, Israel, culminating in the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, whose death, burial, and resurrection come, Uh, and then spark, as we sung earlier in that song, "King of Kings," which I love. The Holy Spirit comes and sets alight the church, sets them aflame to go on in mission. And Jesus, just before he ascends, he he declares, he gives this great commission to uh, to the disciples and to us. He says, "All." authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and surely i am with you always to the very end of the age so jesus calls his followers in that moment to imitate him to go and make disciples just like he did and that's what the local churches all about. We want to be a church that makes disciples of Jesus, who go on to make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. And the word has already been said this morning, but this is to be an adventure, and we're called into it. We get to join in with God's mission. And it's shortly after this command that Jesus ascends to heaven and then later sends the Holy Spirit to empower his people to be witnesses. And if you've read the New Testament, you might know the rest of the story uh, is a real adventure. All that God and his people, people filled with the Holy Spirit, scattered across the lands uh, surrounding Jerusalem and settled into communities of born-again believers. And they don't just meet on Sundays, but they intentionally preach the word, share their faith through grace, they deliver truth. They are local, they are the church, and they are mission-focused. And as you read Acts, you notice that this mission, it's not an add-on to their lives. It's right at the core of everything they do. You see, the local church is God's vehicle for mission on every scale, and we'll talk about some of those scales in the coming weeks. It's like an electric car fueled by renewable power. It is sustainable. It's like a wonderful, vibrant tapestry. It's colorful with threads of mission woven through. It's like Elon Musk's ambition to enable the whole world to have internet. It's global. It's like that. It's Jesus' church, and it's incredible. It's, It's crucially... It's him that's building it. It's a wonderful thing. uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, those who know him, he's written a great deal on this. It's a fantastic amount to read there. But in summary, he says, look, we need to confess that Jesus builds the church and we get to join in. We need to preach the gospel and we need to be his witnesses. That's his kind of summary of uh, Jesus building the church. And it's a wonderful partnership. It's a great adventure. And it's a mission, which brings us to our second part. So that's a real whirlwind, uh, con- brief context on the bib- uh, biblical foundation for mission. Now, I want to bring us to uh, focus on the local church and how there is both a mission inside the church and a mission outside. Because a lot of the time, my, myself particularly, will focus on mission outside. We'll, th- we'll think to ourselves, oh, mission, yeah, that's outside. The mission field is outside these walls in the world where there are people who don't yet know the good news about Jesus. That's what we'll often think. And that is true, and we will come to that a little bit later. But for a few moments, I just want to emphasize the importance of another command that Jesus gives his disciples. In John chapter 13, Jesus is recorded to have washed his disciples' dirty, smelly feet. He gets down on the floor, he gets a towel, he wipes them and washes them, and then he eats with them, presumably after washing his hands. And then he delivers a new commandment to them in verses 34 and 35. He says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. When you see a word in scripture repeated four times in two sentences, it always makes me think, I reckon Jesus wants us to take note of that. And once again, he's astounding his followers here. He does this a lot throughout his ministry. If you've read the gospel, you'll know. Loving one another wasn't a new thing to the disciples. It wasn't a new command in the sense that the Mosaic law, the Jewish law, had already asserted uh, prominently that a person should love God with all one's heart, soul, mind, strength, and powers, and love one's neighbor as oneself. The new part that Jesus is Putting in here, which would have astounded people, is is this. He says, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus calls his disciples to demonstrate the same sacrificial love to one another that he's going to go on to show when he lays down his life on the cross. He then adds at the end of that, By this you will know that you are my disciples. And so placing this command in the context of mission is huge for the local. Church, And it's wonderful to have already experienced this in the stories that have been shared where people describing what it's been like to be part of this local church over these numbers of years that have been shared. You see, there's lots of things that happen, I think, perhaps that go a bit unnoticed in the local church that are expressions of this love. And I I really just wanted to stop and sort of encourage you for a moment because uh, there's just some that I've experienced with Sophie and the boys already, and some we've participated in, been able to bless others with. But there's, there's so many ways that we demonstrate this love uh, of laying down our life and sacrificing things for one another. And uh, I'll just give you some examples to encourage you uh, along the way. So, uh, Sophie and I, we've got two children, and when we, they were born, people brought us meals. And lately, we've been uh, supplying some more meals uh, as well, because we've got another new little baby. Thumbs up from Biscuit, which is great, which means they were good meals. So thank you for those that provided them. If you want to provide more, then do let Rosemary know. She's our coordinator for that. But we provide we got meals when we had babies. And when you tell someone who's got a newborn baby at, at the nursery or whatever where we drop children off, when you tell people that, they go, What? Random people brought food to your house and let you keep the Tupperware for six months. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And some of them didn't even ask for it back, so we've still got it. No, I'm joking. We we gave it all back. So you say something like that. So that's one example. We had our washing done for us lately when we were all ill, all four of us, which is just like a whole, a massive mess uh, if you were to come to our house. Someone said to us, it would be an honor for me to do your washing. And they're from this church. So I just want you to be encouraged by that. Someone did washing for us, which is amazing. And we're so grateful. Um, What else? Walking with people randomly phoning up and saying, what are you doing this afternoon? And then joining in. Uh, people have done shopping for us, brought it up the steps to our flat, put it by the door and then walked away so they don't catch whatever illness we've got now from nursery. We've had people who do babysitting for us. We've we've lent cars to people. We've been given a roof back, roof rack by someone recently. We've been over for meals, for movies. We've We've managed to do some of these things as well for for other people as well. We haven't just been sucking up all this like a sponge of like, just give us your love. It's not not been like that. We have also imparted some as well. But it's actually more than just acts of service. I know those are all things I've just described to you. It's actually, it's more than that. It's upbuilding of the local church by individuals contributing to the family, to the unit. So like charismatic gifts used on a Sunday, it builds us up. When you hear a prayer or a prophecy that speaks directly to you and that person doesn't know what's going on in your life, that's God using that person to build you up. It's encouraging words. It's physical touch with permission where it's appropriate, of course. It's those kind of truth in love moments. It's those random bars of chocolate thrown through your letterbox when someone hears you're poorly. It's sitting with someone when they're grieving and there's nothing else to say in silence. You just sit. It's that as well. It's it's being with someone, it's truth in love, moments, it's authority by permission to speak into each other's life, perhaps in life group or one-on-one. It's demonstrating that love for one another that costs, in a way, that Jesus demonstrated. And it's friendship, as Julian said as well, it's true friendship. And that's something I, I think we yeah, we can reach into biblically uh, in the future as well. And so it's these acts of love for one another which actually give you ammunition for mission, if I could put it that way. The love shown for one another provides the local church with story after story for someone not yet following Jesus. If you think of it that way, it kind of helps when you put it in the context of mission because the stories that we share about what's happened here, uh, when we share them out there, they're like seeds of the gospel thrown into people's lives, seeds that grow, that inspire questions from the unbeliever, which lead to conversations, which leads to invitations, which leads to an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because Jesus said, everyone will know this by the way we love one another, and, and we want everyone to know. And so undertaking the mission in the church, I believe is just as important in that way as undertaking it outside. And so I want to encourage you, there are loads of ways there, as I've described, which would astound people who aren't part of the church community. They would be like, "How? why? That's the question we want them to ask. Which does bring us now onto that, Final section really about mission, being outside the church, and how Jesus calls us to be his witnesses. And if you've been here for some time, uh, or even just a short while, and uh, welcome if you are here for the first time, great to have you with us. Um, you will know that we believe in the Holy Spirit, we believe that the Spirit's true gifts are for today. Um, you'll probably have been baptized and filled in the Spirit if you've been here for any span of time. And if you're not and you'd like to be, then do talk to us afterwards. However, if you're in that group of people who knows they're filled with the Spirit, they're biblically convinced about that, theologically convinced, then you also probably know that the Holy Spirit empowers us for mission. And Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the air. And so we receive this power, and it's a power to witness when the Holy Spirit flows through us. And I remember a few years ago at Ashburnham, there was a guy called Pete Anderson who wanted to make sure that we remembered that we were meant to operate in this power in our locality. He was, he was Scottish. I'm not going to do the accent. I don't want to offend anyone. Uh, but he basically said, Look, we're called to be witnesses wherever we are. It says it in the text Jerusalem, yeah? Judea, yeah? And some area. Oxted is some area. Edenbridge is some area. Patrum is. Samaria, and okay, it's a bit of a dad joke, and nobody laughed, which is fine. <laughs> but that was his point: was wherever you are is where the mission is. It's local to you. But more than that, Jesus said he'd be with you wherever you go, and he's actually within us. Again, we've alluded it to it. You'll never walk alone. That's a fantastic link, by the way. Worship song, Liverpool, Never Walk Alone, and it's in my preach. You're like he'll literally never. Walk. uh, You'll never walk alone because Jesus is always with you. He's within you, and his resurrection is not just evidence he's alive, but it's also evidence he's keen to show up wherever you are. And in a guy called Tim Keller's book, he quotes a list from Peter Williams of Jesus' resurrection appearances, and I just want you to hear it because it's brief, but it's again poignant. So Jesus is recorded in the Gospels to have appeared, resurrected, in Judea, Galilee, in town, in the countryside indoors, outdoors, in the morning, in the evening, by prior appointment, without an appointment, close, in the distance, on a hill, by a lake, to groups of men, to groups of women, to individuals and groups of 500, sitting, which is implied, standing, walking, eating, and always talking. So (laughs) there's always a dialogue to be had with the resurrected Jesus who's within you. And he's there, he's present with you in it as you're doing any and all of those things. And he showed up all over the place, he wants people to come to know him even more than we do. And so I just want to ask you, do you believe there are people that Jesus wants to save in Oxted? Yes. In, in Liverpool? Yes. In East Grinstead? Yes. Good, so do I. Well, Jesus is closer than you think. He's just as keen as you are. And it was him that said, you will be my witnesses. And so there's a key distinction here that's our final thing to note which is that Jesus said we'll be his witnesses, it doesn't say that we will be his evangelists. So if you mull on that just for a moment, it's actually entirely liberating because evangelists, as per Ephesians 4, as we know, they've got a specific role. They're indeed gifted to proclaim the gospel, herald the good news, uh, equip the saints for ministry and the building up of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And you do evangelism if you do those things. You can be considered perhaps an evangelist whether you're paid at it or not, or any of that stuff. But you, you can be a witness. The doing and the being are actually quite different. And so it's quite liberating. See, I wouldn't claim that everyone needs to be an evangelist, but I would claim that everyone can be a witness. And so what is a witness? Well, they are simply someone who speaks about what they have seen, heard, or experienced. Just like in a courtroom case, if there was a, a crime committed, they would call a witness, someone who had something to share about what happened or what was done or what was found or what they saw. And again, I want to encourage you in this because it's, it's a format of storytelling. So here's some examples of, of witnessing. So I was in a cafe and a staff member, um, again, I heard uh, earwigging, uh, and basically claiming, someone saying, I've got a bad neck, basically, to this staff member. I knew this staff member. And I, I, I used to have a very painful back for about four years. And so I told the staff member, oh, I've had a, I had a painful back once, but then I sat in a school hall and a really old man sat me down and he, he saw my legs were different lengths and he prayed for me in Jesus' name and my leg grew out and they became the same length. And it was amazing. And that's what I said. And I waited. In another example, um, last week I talked to an 18-year-old who was going through A-level. She was doing RE a level We talked a bit about that, and it led me to say, oh, do you want to know what happened when I was 18? When I was 18, I I was born again. So I told her the story about Soul Survivor, Mike Pilavachi, not that she knew who he was, um, preaching the gospel, and, and and what happened to me, my experience. And then I waited. And before now, I've met people who have been struggling with depression, and I've borne witness to the time that I was in a church down in Hastings, and I prayed for someone. Um, who uh, had depression, and while we were praying, their necklace broke spontaneously and fell to the floor. And at the moment, nothing changed apart from the necklace breaking, and we all laughed about how ironic it was we were praying, and this necklace broke, and it was a chain. And then two months later, this person comes running up to me, and I genuinely do not recognize them at all. And, they, and I yeah, do that thing where you're like are nice to someone, where you pretend you know who they are for a little bit, and then you can't take it anymore, and you say, look, I'm really sorry, I don't actually know who you are. Uh, please tell me. And they did, and I, it was them. It was the person with the necklace that had broken. They'd been freed from depression. They had been released, and they were com- physically different, and I didn't recognize them. And I told that story to someone, and then I waited. And after witnessing, after sharing these stories, guess what I did? I waited, because you don't know what's going to happen next, and you can't presume that they're going to want prayer, or you can't presume that they're going to want to know more. You just have to wait and see, and you've done, your, you've done your bit. You've witnessed. You've told them what you've seen and heard, and some people, like the lady with the neck, go, oh, could you pray for me? And I did, and it was great, and she was healed, and she ran up to me the next week at the chip shop and said, my neck's all better, and then a few weeks later, she said, it's not better again. Pray for it. Anyway, some people do that. Some people want to ask questions. Some people want to debate. Some people want to change the subject, and some people want to just get away from you as soon as they can, which is also very, which is also okay. But you see, this is witnessing. This is essentially storytelling in obedience to Christ. It's, it's speaking about what you've seen and heard Jesus doing. And we're going to dig into this a bit more in the future. Uh, we're going to go on that great adventure together to kind of get equipped as witnesses for Jesus and I just, again, I want to encourage you, it's really exciting when you get into it. And I, again, a good friend the other day, uh, witnessed to the delivery person who came to their door and uh, afterwards sent a text saying, I feel so alive. (laughs) I witnessed this person. And the reason you feel alive is because you were born again to do it. (laughs) That's what we were born again to do, to go on and do this, to make it the core of what we're about. And uh, Jesus' disciples, well, they witnessed his bodily resurrection. I mean, I would, I don't know about you but I would tell everyone about that if I saw someone literally resurrected like that or met them after they'd passed away in that way. And they encountered him in loads of places and they just said what they'd seen and heard. And so collectively as a church we're like we're like a vault of stories about God's wondrous works. When you read the Psalms it says God did this, God did that. Well we've got real life stories we can share even if they're not about us even if it's a story you hear from our new ground family that's your story now as well. You can take that and go, do you know what's going on in France with their churches? Or did you hear about this person who was uh, healed? That's uh, a real he- really helpful thing to do is if you can't think of a story of your own, go and steal someone else's story and <laughs> tell them what Jesus did in their life. That's another way of doing it. They contribute to our capacity for storytelling. And we are a local church. We are mission-focused and it's a place where I believe everyone can be a witness. Everyone can tell a story, and the world loves stories. If you've been on social media lately, or if you're on any type of social media, it's basically one long story. Story after story, story. People want it. They want that narrative, and it's a, it's a timeless truth that about stories themselves. And so that's really where we've come to, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there because we do want to like respond, and we want to pray as well. But I just want to wrap up by, by saying I'm chuffed. remind you this morning that God's mission is to seek and save the lost. And we get to join in. I'm have to tell you that this church and all local churches are God's vehicle for his mission, both inside and outside. I'm delighted that we get to be full of the Holy Spirit so we can love each other deeply and we can share stories. And I'm delighted that Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. He'll enable us to do it if we confess that he is building his church. We, we don't have to go to extraordinary lengths to build it ourselves. We can trust him. As we sang earlier as well, it, he was faithful then when he kicked off the church and sent the Spirit, and he's faithful now to do the same thing. That's why the church is still here, because Jesus is sustaining it. And I started my talk really with a, a story of humiliation, of essentially dying in public